Thank you for choosing to listen to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. Each of these messages were given by various faculty, staff, and friends of Emmaus Bible College. To view each series as a whole, or for more information about similar Emmaus ministries, please visit concerninghim.com. That's C-O-N-C-E-R-N-I-N-G-H-I-M.com. Thank you for joining us in our study of the Gospel according to Matthew. In this episode, we'll be in chapter 15, verse 21, and we'll go through chapter 16, verse 12. For you parents out there, I'm sure that you know the terrible, awful feeling of having a sick child. Well, I'd like everyone to imagine with me that you are a mother living during the first century in the territory just north of Israel, the region near the coastal cities of Tyre and Sidon. And your little girl is sick. In fact, not just a little bit sick, she is possessed by a demon. Now, of course, you've done everything that you can do to heal your little girl, and predictably, nothing happens. But then one day, you hear of a man who actually can do something. And perhaps you even hear testimonies, maybe even like the one from the man who had that legion of demons. And you hear about a complete recovery. And so you set off to find this Jesus And at first, you you wonder, well, will Jesus actually heal your daughter? After all, you are a uh, Syrophoenician woman. You are a Canaanite. That is, you are um, on the wrong side of the tracks, so to speak. But you remember that he has healed people like uh, the man from Gadara who had the legion of demons. Now, whether or not the actual historical Canaanite woman knew of this exorcism or not, from the perspective of those who are reading the Gospel of Matthew, uh, we have been set up by Matthew to understand this story. Jesus, the reader already knows, is willing to exorcise uh, Gentiles who who are being plagued with demons. Uh, So this sets us up for a positive response when this woman comes and meets Jesus. The account of the exorcism of the Canaanite woman's daughter is really just a small story that's been included in a big chunk of stories, all centered around the idea of uncleanness. And more than uncleanness, we're specifically thinking about uh, unclean food and who gets to eat what. With that in mind, uh, keep your eye out or your ear out for the theme of contamination, who gets to eat what, Um, and what should be eaten, what should not be eaten, as I read our text, starting in Matthew 15, verse 21. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. Jesus went on from there and walked beside the Sea of Galilee. And he went up on the mountain and sat down there. And great crowds came to him, bringing with them the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others. And they put them at his feet, and he healed them. 
so that the crowd wondered when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled healthy, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they glorified the God of Israel. Then Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion on the crowd, because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat, and I am unwilling to send them away hungry, lest they faint on the way. And the disciples said to him, Where are we to get enough bread in such a desolate place to feed so great a crowd? And Jesus said to them, How many loaves do you have? And they said, Seven, and a few small fish. And directing the crowd to sit down on the ground, he took the seven loaves and the fish, and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up seven baskets full of the broken pieces left over. Those who ate were four thousand men, besides women and children. And after sending away the crowds, he got into the boat and went to the region of Magadan. And the Pharisees and Sadducees came to test him, and they asked him to show them a sign from heaven. And he answered them, When it is evening, you say it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning it will be stormy today, for the sky is red and threatening. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. So he left them and departed. When the disciples reached the other side, they had forgotten to bring any bread. And Jesus said to them, Watch and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And they began discussing it among themselves, saying, We brought no bread. But Jesus, aware of this, said, O you of little faith, Why are you discussing among yourselves the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive? Do you not remember the five loaves for the five thousand? And how many baskets you gathered? Or the seven loaves for the four thousand? And how many baskets you gathered? How is it that you fail to understand that I do not speak about bread? Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Our passage divides up into three sections. Uh, The first one is, of course, the healing of the Canaanite woman's daughter. And then we have this this story about the feeding of the 4,000. And then we have Jesus's interaction regarding the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Uh, And yet, these three stories are the uh, last three of a set of four. In our last episode, we talked about um, Jesus being Uh, interviewed about um, issues of clean food and what people are allowed to eat or what are not allowed to eat and what actually makes something unclean. So let's see how these stories fit together. Um, Matthew's first story, starting the beginning of 15 from last episode, uh, was a little bit different, we saw from last time, than Mark's account. Uh, Mark's parallel account specifically says that in telling this parable, he pronounced all food clean. Now, this would have been particularly relevant to Mark's predominantly Gentile audience, but Matthew's version is directed more against the problem of the oral law uh, and the problem of elevating human tradition over God's word. And yet, uh, by placing that story at the beginning of a set of these four stories, all centered around the ideas of cleanness and eating, the implications about the inclusion of the Gentiles and what ultimately matters will become clear. The second story in our collection of clean food stories, uh, the one that we first read in this episode, has to do with the exorcism of the Canaanite woman's daughter. 
Matthew goes out of his way to use an archaic description of this woman, as opposed to Mark's description of a Syrophoenician woman. Matthew's way of putting it emphasizes that this person is on the wrong side of the track, so to speak. She belongs to the long-standing, stereotypical bad guy of so many Old Testament battles, the Canaanites. And Jesus specifically brings this out by saying that he was only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now, if that weren't negative enough, uh, the imagery gets even more heated when he shifts it a little bit and says that Israel is like children sitting at a table, and the Gentiles are like dogs. Now, as we've seen, this again interacts with a view that the kingdom of God is like a meal, and those who eat of it are those who are able to participate in the coming kingdom and its many blessings. The Canaanite woman's response is just spectacular. Jesus calls it great faith. And it's so great because she has such a high view of the power of Jesus and the nature of the kingdom. Rather than thinking exorcisms were the limits of the greatness of the kingdom, her response is, essentially, all I'm asking for is a eensy-weensy exorcism. And for you, Jesus, I know that's no big deal. And for all that will happen in the kingdom, it's nothing. It's just like scraps compared to the gourmet feast that I know you'll provide. So her faith is great uh, because she has this high view of Jesus in the kingdom, and also, of course, because it's tenacious. At first, it seems like Jesus says no to her request, uh, but she won't give up. She keeps asking. Driven out of desperation for her little girl, uh, she just has to have this miracle happen. But it's not just her need that drives her. It's also her conviction that Jesus is the Lord, the Son of David, uh, which is an incredible pronouncement. In the end, uh, she does get her scraps. Uh, she gets her kingdom miracle. Uh, we can think of it this way. She is allowed a piece of bread regardless of whatever impurities there were on the outside. What really mattered, what was on her inside, that is her great faith. And then we have in 1529 to 39, uh, Jesus feeding the 4,000. Now, we're not specifically told where this takes place. Uh, verse 29 says that Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee. And then in verse 39, we're told that they go to the region of Magan, and we don't really know where that place is. Now, the commentaries here are divided, but it seems to me like this miracle probably occurs in Gentile territory. Uh, though the details of the text aren't clear, it seems that there just has to be a connection between the Canaanite woman getting a scrap of bread, and then uh, the, there's this bread that's graciously provided for these 4,000 people, even to the point of there being seven baskets full of broken pieces left over. Matthew most likely has placed these two accounts back to back, not as a coincidence, but to teach us something, uh, to correct the impression that the Gentiles only uh, get a second-tier status in the kingdom. No, 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 not at all, uh, according to these stories. The 4,000 parallels the feeding of the 5,000 from the previous chapter, where it was to Israel. Both get the bread of the kingdom, and both get a full-course meal. Nobody is uh, just left with scraps. Everyone eats until they're all satisfied. We then have another controversy with the Pharisees in 16.1-12, an application to the disciples. Uh, there, again, the concern is food. But the issue of contaminating bread, so worrisome to the Pharisees in the first part of chapter 15, ironically is kind of, well, turned on its head. 
It is the Pharisees whose contamination can spread like yeast. Uh, The quote-unquote bread which the disciples must not eat is that which has been contaminated by the infection, by the leaven of the Pharisees. That is their teaching. So at the beginning, the Pharisees are all worried about eating bread that has not been, or eating bread when a person has not washed their hands. But the thing that really contaminates is their skeptical, unbelieving heart. Uh, The unclean food, which must be avoided, is not about washing our hands, but about washing our hearts. This whole discussion is framed in terms of their refusal to follow the evidence where it points. Uh, their inability to interpret the signs of the times. After all that Jesus has done, they now have the audacity to ask him for a sign from heaven. You know, there is a kind of skeptical attitude which uh, has never had enough. No amount of evidence seems to be sufficient for some people. Now, this attitude that enough is never enough, that uh, I need to be persuaded above and beyond what's necessary, stands in complete contrast to what we saw in the Canaanite woman. Now, doesn't it? She had so little to go on. She even, think about it this way, she even had to deal with Jesus' discouraging words about not giving bread to dogs and so on. But instead, she had great faith. That's what mattered. That's why she was allowed in and was given the bread. But the Pharisees, though their hands were washed and they seemed clean on the outside, uh, they are still unclean because they refuse to believe. It's been well said that the heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. How about you? Has your heart become hard to the things of God? Have you been contaminated by the yeast or the leaven of the Pharisees? That is, drawing near to God with your lips, but your heart is far from him. Uh, Refusing to see God's goodness in your life. If so, this needs to be a front burner issue for you. This needs to be something you get right with God right now. Jesus' big point here in this chapter and a half is that cleanness or uncleanness, being acceptable to God, is not about what you do on the outside, but if you are responding to Jesus in faith. Thank you for listening to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. This ministry is possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit emmaus.edu partner.